Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 144, and we're going to take a look at part 3 of the National Football League Players Association. But first of all, let me give a big shout out to my listeners because as usual, you guys are awesome. So a big shout out to Minnesota, North Carolina, Washington, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Nevada, California, Virginia, New York, Texas, and Oklahoma in terms of countries, the United States and the Russian Federation. Good to see you guys. Okay, so we're going to take a look at the 1982 strike that occurred. So, as I was saying in a previous podcast, it seems to me like labor unions they form just so they can go on strike and it usually has to deal with money. Now, some strikes are warranted, but The majority of strikes in my opinion are not warranted. Um I think they're practicing a lot of greed. I think it's one of those things that you you start a union to get what you need and what you're promised, so to speak. And then after that, I think you should just continue to do your job and do it well and not keep going on strikes just to keep demanding more money because it directly impacts our currency and it can cause inflation. So, what what's sad about inflation is that we we don't see the immediate effect of it. And to me that's sad because I think that if people saw the immediate effect of inflation, then they then they would not do things like what is going on within the NFL, much less our country today in terms of gas prices, um real estate prices and things like that. See, inflation it takes time for it to occur, but unfortunately whenever there is a issue with inflation, sometimes We don't realize that we have a problem with inflation until it's really bad. So then it's hard to correct it, it's hard to fix it. So that's why I wish that if inflation occurs that there is an immediate effect and that's obvious. There is always an immediate effect in regards to inflation. It's just that because most people don't recognize it until it's too late, that's when it becomes an issue. So, let's go ahead and take a look at the 1982 strike. of the NFLPA. So it says the 1982 NFL strike began on Tuesday, September 21st and lasted 57 days ending on November 16th. During this time, no NFL games were played. I'm kind of surprised by that because I thought maybe they would have the less talented players play, but they did not do that in this case. The strike occurred because the union demanded that a wage scale based on percentage of gross revenues be implemented. So, they want to act like salesmen. Basically, their job is becoming more commission-based. That's about greed. So, if ever there are people complaining about how greedy sales people are or they don't like salesmen, then you need to be thinking of the NFL in regards to that as well. Because the NFL wants a percentage of all the gross revenues, not just a salary. They want a piece of that other pie as well. And guess what? They don't deserve a piece of that pie. Their wages are separate from the revenues that are being not necessarily created, um, but profiting from and earning because it's different. So, it's one of those things that they think that basically if the owners and the managers make a lot of money, that they should get a piece of that pie as well. That's not so. These NFL players, they are not the owners and they are not the managers and they are not the coaches. but yet they want millions of dollars. So they're willing to do it in in a way that is not very ethical in my opinion. See, they're willing to go on strike 
and they're willing to throw a hissy fit just so that they can get their hand in, you know, in the pot as well. And that's not right to do that. Because that's not capitalism, that's greed. There's a difference between earning a good living and then leasing and fleecing people. And in this regard, this is really when the NFL started revving up in terms of fleecing people, which the people I'm talking about are you and me. Because what people don't realize is that when these NFL players make a whole lot of money, it's you and me, basically the, the spectators, because it is a spectator sport, we are the ones paying that money. Yes, it's passing through the hands of the owner and um, the management and things of that nature and anyone they do business with, but it is the consumer that is pay, paying that heavy price. So just think about that. goes on to say the NFLPA wanted the percentage to be, get this, 55%. Okay, that's a whole lot of greed. So um, it says during the strike, the NFLPA promoted two AFC-NFC All-Star games. One was held at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C., a.k.a. the Swamp, on October 17th, and the second was held at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum a day later. One of the few stars who did play, Football Hall of Fame running back John Riggins explained, I guess I'll just do about anything for money. Wow, so he basically sold his soul to the devil. I think that's very telling that he says, I guess I'll do just about anything for money. So it's about greed. He knows it. They know it. But guess what? We, the American people, are stupid in that we do not know that this is going on. There is greed going on here. You know, it's like what I talked about in times past on previous uh, podcast episodes, greed is not just in Wall Street. In fact, the greed on Wall Street is minimal, minimal compared to the greed that is located in the rest of the United States. It's very shocking and sad. Despite a local TV blackout of WTBS and ticket prices starting at $6, neither game drew well. Only 8,760 fans attended in Washington and 5,331 in Los Angeles. With no NFL games to air, CBS replayed the previous Super Bowl and aired Division III football. Pat Summerall and John Madden, for example, covered a game between Baldwin-Wallace and Wittenberg. NBC acquired the rights to Canadian Football League games from ESPN, and both networks aired their respective games with NFL-like production values. The first four CFL games... NBC showed were all blowouts, however, with poor ratings, and the network gave up. I'm kind of surprised that Canada has a football league because I don't see Canada as being very um, competent or professional because of their how they run their country. It's just not very productive. It's not really, um, to me, they're kind of complacent, not very good workers per se. Um, they don't really have a democracy, and they don't really believe in capitalism. Um, they're more socialist, and especially in regards to their socialized medicine that they have, because still to this day, a lot of their citizens are coming down to the United States to still receive medical care because they are not getting the proper medical care that they are already paying for via their taxes that are being taken out of their paychecks. So it's basically their government taking money out of their paychecks and then saying, oh, we're not really going to help you with your health. We just lie about it, but we're not going to do what we're saying we're going to do. That's Canada for you. So it says the 1982 strike ended with the players' revolt, I'm not surprised, against their own union, as some members suggested that Garvey step down as executive director. As a result of the strike, the season schedule was reduced from 16 games to 9, and the playoffs expanded the then-standard 10 to 16 teams, 
eight from each conference for this one season only Super Bowl tournament. A new five-year agreement was ratified, providing severance packages to players upon retirement, an increase in salaries and post-season pay, and bonuses paid on the number of years of experience in the league. Well, that's very unionized, and I don't agree with that. I'll explain that in just a moment. It says additionally, the NFLPA was allowed to receive copies of all player contracts. So here's the thing: experience does not equal pay. It helps. But one thing I can't stand about starting a new job is that sometimes your employer will say or think at least hopefully they don't say this but here in Oklahoma they're sometimes stupid enough to say this well you're new so we're not going to pay you as much as senior management or a senior employee because they've been here longer I don't give a rat's posterior how long someone works somewhere their employment has nothing to do with my employment Their skill sets have nothing to do with the job that I do. So that's discrimination. It's technically based on age discrimination, like how long you've worked there. See, that's the bad thing about unions. They really discriminate against young people. And it's horrible. I hated it when I was a teenager. I hated it, especially hated it in my 20s because it was like I was forced to be poor because people that were older than me and were married and had families thought that I should do the same job as them but for less pay. It's like I don't think so. That's reverse discrimination. It is horrible. And unfortunately, a lot of employers get away with it because federal law protects certain age brackets. It doesn't protect everybody. But here's the the catch 22 with that. Technically, the federal law before that new age bracket uh protection in terms of federal law was passed and mandated technically all of our labor was protected if you were of legal age you know basically you're you're not a minor then your job you know was protected regardless of your age and so you really should never have been discriminated against based on your age but unfortunately because employers were were trying to fire people before they reached the age of retirement or right before they reached the age of retirement so as to not pay them retirement um and not pay their 401k and their health insurance or life insurance or you know pension benefits because employers were shady that's why that law was passed so unfortunately it created even more discrimination see that's what happens whenever you know for the most part whenever the federal government gets involved especially in the private sector it just ruins it. And so there were so many jobs I had, especially when I was, you know, way younger, they didn't work out because I was being discriminated against because of my age. I was also discriminated against because I wasn't married and I wasn't popping up babies. So it's like, okay, so I would be taken, you know, here's the thing. It is so frustrating for women in the workplace and here's the number one thing that frustrates me. I would I would not get equal pay to a man even though that's illegal to discriminate based on sex it did happen. Also, I was not getting paid the wages I deserved and also that I was promised because I wasn't as old as the older women. And then also I was discriminated against because I wasn't married and then I was also discriminated against because I wasn't popping out babies because you know it's it's really kind of a catch 22 for women. It's like 
If you're not married, then they're not going to pay you as much as someone that is married. But the moment a woman gets pregnant, the employer, especially in at-will states, does everything they can to try and fire her so they don't have to pay maternity leave. And then they don't want to help with any kind of daycare or childcare. And I I don't think that employers should help with that, but they for some reason they think that well if a woman has a baby then some of her wages are going towards daycare well those wages could be going towards someone that doesn't have kids or whose kids have graduated high school so we don't really want to pay for someone to have to have daycare so it's like okay you know this is the employment you know the the employer trying to determine your sex life your married life, your single life, your engaged life, you know, your your behavior and your lifestyle outside of work. And it's rampant discrimination. I I I'm I don't know how to describe this. I don't know if it's worse in liberal states or conservative states because they're both equally bad. And you know, you know there are states that are at will states and then there are others that are not, but I think they're both equally bad because they both have their issues. You know, you know my, most of my experience comes from living in Oklahoma, which has not always been pleasant, but it's not as bad as other states, but it's just one of those things that I wish all discrimination would stop. Cuz I can't tell you how many times, you know, I go to job interviews and just FYI, even though I'm single, whenever I go to a job interview, I wear a ring on on my on my ring finger on my left hand to give the impression I'm married. because the interview always goes way better because if i go in there and it looks like i'm single then first of all they're like well why aren't you married yet because here in oklahoma and the bible belt states they expect women to be married by the time they graduate college if not by the time you're 25 so it's like if you're not married by the time you're 25 you're basically considered an, an old maid so then they wonder what's wrong with you and it's like there's nothing wrong with me like it then it feels like i'm having to explain myself So I don't explain myself. I just move on with the interview. I was like, "Well, you know, your marital status is really not the reason why I'm here. You know, for the job interview, I'm here to learn about you and you're here to learn about me, about professionalism, about the actual, you know, skill sets that I have and how can I help you and and what help do you need in terms of this job function?" So there have been times that I've had to completely try and control the interview because it almost always goes towards sex. babies, marriage, wedlock. Um it's it's bizarre and it's not appropriate. Um so it's really degrading to women. It's like, you know, I'm not just a pair of ovaries. I'm I'm a human being. And what's interesting is that for men, you know, men don't have ovaries, but they have testicles, right? Like they have testes. So but but what's interesting is that the male anatomy and what their role is in procreation does not come up in job interviews like it would not ever dawn on a hiring manager or some moron that's conducting an interview to ask a guy hey you know do you plan on knocking up any women here in the next 9 months because you know we want to know if you're going to have to start paying child support because we don't want to have to deal with that and we don't want to pay for whoever you knock up to have a kid i mean aren't those hospital bills expensive I mean, do you really want to pay that kind of money for that? Like, you see, here's the thing. My point is that no one would ever think to talk to a man like that. But yet women are spoken to like that all the time. It's less these days than in times past for sure, but it still happens. Like I went to a business meeting, I think it was just last year, 
And the, the uh, I guess you could say my marital status came up in this business meeting. And the guy knew he wasn't supposed to talk to me like that. And get this, I had my ring on. It wasn't like an engagement ring or anything, but it was, it was a nice ring and I had it on my left hand. And he wanted to know if for sure, like I was not in the market or not. It was weird. And, and the mouths of the women in the room just dropped. He said, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to ask those questions. And it's like, wow. Needless to say, I do not do business with those people. So FYI, please be aware of that. There's a whole lot of stuff that takes place in, um, oh, also in job reviews. Um, I've had reviews, um, you know, just like a yearly review of, of my job and discuss whether or not you know, to get a pay raise and things like that. You'd be surprised how many employers do not give single women raises because they don't think they need them because they're not married, don't have a mortgage, or don't have children. It's bizarre. It's like marital status has nothing to do with your pay. Like just because someone is married doesn't mean that they should get more pay just because they walk down the aisle. A person's job, their responsibility and their pay has to deal with the actual job, like you know, the actual work. Not procreation, not abortion, not birth control. I mean, it's just unbelievable some of the things that people talk about in job interviews and then they think they're being professional and they're not. You know, I think it would be really interesting to ask NFL, you know, NFL players if their sex life has ever come up in job interviews or when negotiating a new contract. You know, maybe they should ask them, hey, how many baby mamas do you currently have and how many do you plan on having because, you know, you, you seem to be sexually promiscuous quite a bit. And, you know, we don't mind paying for married guys to have babies with their wives, but we really don't want to pay for single guys getting uh, single women knocked up. So if you have a bunch of baby mamas, we're not going to pay you as much money because we know the money is going to be a waste anyway. Because it's just going to be going to these gold diggers. Now, do you really think that kind of conversation would happen in a NFL player's contract negotiation? No, it would not. But stuff like that happens all the time whenever women go in for a job and or have a performance review. It's sick. It's, it's so degrading. It's like, look. I'm not at the OBGYN's office. My legs and my feet or whatever are not in the stirrups. We're not doing a pelvic exam. What goes on with my body has nothing to do with the job. It has nothing to do with my salary. It has nothing to do with my health insurance benefits. Either you cover something or you don't. Big whoop. I make really good money. If I want some kind of health care service, I will go get it, regardless of whether or not my employer covers it. It's always nice when an employer covers stuff, but if they don't, big whoop. Just go out and pay for it. But you see, there are so many people, they don't understand that whenever they try and have a socialized country, like a, a socialistic government, and then socialized medicine, first of all, you lose your rights, you lose your, privacy, your privacy, and then that opens the floodgates to discrimination, especially against women. See, because men are not the ones that give birth. It's the women that do that. And yes, you do have to be a woman to give birth. 
transgenders are not women. And that might offend some people, but you know, do the math here. So, needless to say, th- there are so many things that I know never come up in a conversation whenever a man goes in for an interview and whenever he goes in to negotiate pay. Women get treated like prostitutes. It's it's horrible. Like my mouth my mouth has dropped so many times in meetings because of inappropriate, unprofessional, sexualistic, degrading just devaluation of a human being, that type of behavior in these meetings. It's weird. So if anything, you know, these NFL players You know, they've got it pretty good. No one discriminates against them because of their sex. No one discriminates against them because, you know, they they're not married yet or maybe they are married and haven't had children yet. Like they don't have to deal with all that. Women have to deal with so much. And I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you the facts here. Because it gets so old. You know, it's interesting is that whenever I have one of these funky meetings that just goes weird, I'm just like You know, I just start saying to people, "Can I just be treated like a human being because that's what I am. I'm a human being." And if and if it's a woman talking to me, I was like, "You know, don't you think it's high time women stop talking to each other like that? We're on the same team here." And if a man talks to me like that, I'm like, "You know what? I am not a slab of meat. I'm a human being." So let's keep it professional, shall we? Like we're talking about business. We're not talking, you know, about estrogen. Like we did not have this meeting at a estrogen convention. So, let's leave estrogen and testosterone out of it. Like this is business. This has nothing to do with anatomy. This has nothing nothing to do with physiology. This has nothing to do with hormones. This has nothing to do with the thyroid gland. Like this has nothing to do with ovaries or the uterus. Nothing. Like this is business. And that shocks people when I say that. And they get sometimes they get huffy and puffy. I'm like, look, business is business. Suck it up. Grow up. Like I know that Europeans think that Americans are prudes and sometimes we are but considering, you know, how horrible um how horribly successful the pornography business is or industry is in the United States, we are not as prudish as Europeans think, but but unfortunately there's this false reality, I guess, um of of people being prudish but they're really not because I think that when you degrade somebody you're not a prude you're hateful you're just making it seem like you know you're pure you're married you love your spouse you never do anything kinky you never cheat on them you know you never look at porn i mean come on like oklahoma i think it's one of the most hypocritical states because First of all, we're in the Bible Belt. Number 2, we have one of the highest divorce rates in the United States. It's almost 50%. We also have one of the highest pornography um I don't want to say ratings, but I guess usage or consumption of pornography in the country. So, I think it's very hypocritical 
for people that live in the Bible Belt to act like they're all pure and then discriminate against me in a job interview when there's like a 50-50 chance they're married and divorced, married and divorced. There's a 50-50 chance they're cheating and sleeping with each other. There's a 50-50 chance their spouses are uh, indulging in pornography. So it's like who are they to judge me? Who who are they to shame anybody? It's just grotesque to me. That's why I focus on being professional. You know, focus about business. Like keep it keep it simple, keep it clean, keep it professional. I really miss the old days and I'm not old because I'm only 38, but I miss the old days when you know, conversations, you know, we had this rule that you don't talk about sex, religion or politics. It was nice. It was nice because that stuff was not on the table like you you respected whoever you were having a conversation with. But it's just kind of like people taking freedom of speech like to the extreme, so far extreme that it's like does anybody have class anymore? Because these are some of the things that we're having to deal with in the Bible belt. So, you know, let me say this and I'll close with this. For anybody that's thinking about moving to Oklahoma, and you think Oklahoma or the Bible Belt states are great to raise your kids? <laughs> don't do that. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like um there are so many scandals here and hidden scandals and it usually has to deal with sex and or drugs. It's ridiculous. Like I'm single and I'm dating and it's hard to find a guy that isn't sleeping around, isn't a skank, you know, hasn't, you know, been with a prostitute, hasn't been with a stripper, or um doesn't have some kind of addiction problem whether it's um methamphetamine or alcoholism um I don't mean like classy drinking cuz you know I I like alcohol like I drink wine but I'm talking about like belligerent drunk and it's usually these people that drink a whole lot of beer and I'm just like really of all types of alcohol you drink beer but they like to consume a lot of it so it's just kind of like you know it's hard to find Sometimes it's very difficult to find nice guys. And it's not a matter of being picky. It's just, you know, why would I settle for less than God's best? See, cuz here's the thing, whoever you date and whoever you marry, your your lifestyles are going to eventually join together. And I don't want to get hitched up with somebody that's got some really serious issues that I completely disagree with. I'm not against divorce people, but I don't want to raise other people's kids. I think it would be great like if someone had kids and they were already grown. Like I don't care about that. Like or at least they're teeny boppers, like they're about to leave the house and they're mouthy. That's great. Go out there, speak your mind, but just not in front of me and in my house like see you when to be you. You know, go turn 18, go cast your vote. Please don't be socialist, but you know, It can I just noticed that dating these days is totally different. And what I've noticed is that whatever takes place in the workplace in terms of behavior norms affects the dating world and it affects marriages and vice versa. And I just think it's sad that there's not there's not as much decorum as there used to be. I mean, yes, affairs and divorces happened back in the day. I mean, I'm not saying they never happened because there very much were affairs, you know. There's always been affairs. But I'm saying that there were probably way less back in the day. 
and people were classy. Not just about their affairs, but about their life. Like they they kept that stuff hidden because I don't care to know about people's skeletons in their closets. My personal opinion is is if you don't want those skeletons anymore, take it up with God. Cast your cares onto the Lord. You know, repent of your sin. You know, and and ask him to help you. And you know what? Because your heavenly Father loves you, he will forgive you of all of your sins and then guess what? You won't have any skeletons in your closet anymore. But because people have lost decorum, they've lost mannerisms, they've lost etiquette, and now people are losing God. He's not he's not losing us per se, but it's like it's like when people don't believe in behaving in a good moral manner and they start to doubt that even God exists, then that's when the skeletons not only come out of the closet, but then people are not even ashamed of what they did. So then it leads to a perpetuation and a continuation of all this really bad human behavior. Like behavior that causes a lot of problems in our society and it ruins families, it ruins relationships and it ruins the workplace. Like when I was younger, I I used to not be against people dating, you know, in the workplace, you know, like if they meet each other and then and or get married or whatever, but now that I'm older, I can't stand working with people that are dating other people in the office because there's favoritism. Even if they don't realize it and even if they don't realize that it's it's not intentional, it's still there. It's still prevalent and it is an issue because it leads to favoritism and nepotism because it clouds their judgment. Me personally, I don't like dating or working with people that have clouded judgment. I don't need that in my life. I don't want that. So needless to say, I think our society, especially here in the United States, because I can't really speak for other countries because I haven't lived in any other countries as of yet, but I know that America used to be better. We used to have decorum, we used to have way more manners, we used to have way more etiquette. And I feel like when we had more decorum and more etiquette, there there wasn't as much lawlessness that has become now legal. If that makes sense. Because I think when when you make it a point to behave appropriately, then first of all you are guarding yourself like you're protecting your heart and you are protecting your soul from participating in really bad possibly sinful behavior that could be very detrimental to you but you're also protecting anybody that you're doing business with or anybody that you're interacting with like that is a, a that is a adult responsibility that we have but to me it just seems like there are not very many adults that are acting like adults anymore It's like everybody's still acting like they're in their early 20s or they're acting like they're teenagers like especially on social media. I'm like, "How old are you? 55? Grow up." It's bizarre to me. And I'm not saying that that you can't kick back and enjoy life. You know, those are wonderful things to do, but there there's appropriateness and then there's inappropriateness. And I just think it's interesting that we have so many people complaining about the young and I'm like, "Well, what kind of role models do they have to look up to?" Look at what's going on within people's families. I mean, just 
you know, let's not even talk about families for a moment. Let's take a look at the NFL. Look at the scandals and the behavior problems that are taking place in the NFL. But yet they get more money. So basically as a society and as a country, we are constantly rewarding bad behavior and then we wonder why we have worse and worse and worse behavior in our young people. They don't know how to date. They don't know how to act professional. They whine and complain that they become YouTubers and TikTokers. It's like those used to be hobbies, not a career path to complain. Anybody can complain. But as I've said in times past, everybody has a violin, but not everybody plays it at the same obnoxious volume. So if anything, I think we need to move forward in a diligent, kind, godly manner. That's why I hope and pray, especially within the NFL, that every single one of these players gives their life to Christ and they become good Christian holy men and start acting like the examples that they are supposed to be within their position of power and or authority within the role that they have within their profession and within the role that they have within our society it's very important we we basically need men to be men Now look at it this way it's definitely stressing out women. You know maybe they should wake up to that. But anyway, um I will go ahead and end this podcast as usual. I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
Still hold 